Hello and welcome to Coffee Milk. I'm Mark Laporte. And I'm Mitch DiPaolo. Okay, so we talked about the bank run first? Yeah, let's talk about Silicon Valley Bank. Okay. Did you hear about the Silicon Valley bank run? I see it's trending right now. I haven't read the full article yet. I read some of it. Okay, so there's on the New York Times article, they're saying that Silicon Valley Bank is uh, one of the biggest bank names in the technology world. They, they lend money to a lot of the biggest tech companies. And they're saying it is the biggest bank to fail since the 2008 financial crisis. So I'm really not that educated on banks or anything. So you gotta you gotta tell me what's going on here. Okay. I understand that all the people who were part of the bank run and asked for all their money back, they're gonna get the two hundred fifty thousand dollars that's insured by the FDIC. That's the only thing I know. A while back, it used to be one hundred fifty thousand. So if a bank failed and you were a, a customer had one hundred fifty thousand dollars in it, then you were insured. You were fine. But if you have anything over one hundred fifty thousand. You lost that. That just wasn't guaranteed. I guess now it's 250000 But from what I saw with this article, apparently this bank pretty much lended to anybody in the tech world. If you were a startup, this was the bank to go to because they had the really loosest startups. regulations. I, I guess I figured that... it was for the bigger ones like Meta and Google and oh i'm sure they use this bank yeah for sure as big but these were these are banks that or this is a bank that would lend to you if you had just any kind of crazy startup idea and they tried to stay competitive to other banks by giving uh higher deposit rates like it, if you put your money in a checking account or something you get like 0.1 percent okay it's not even worth it i don't even know what their um their rates were but it seems like they were very competitive they loan all these companies, and then what banks usually do with all the deposits is they'll either lend it out to other banks in return for interest on that money, or they'll buy securities or bonds or anything like that. And they bought treasury bonds, I, it seems, last year before the Fed started raising rates or loaning it out to other companies who need either quick capital or they're starting up. But the problem with that is it kind of leaves you illiquid. So all it takes is for just one company or a couple of companies and some big high rollers to just say, okay, I need to take out a lot of money right now. And then if the bank can't do that, it kind of causes a cascading effect where other people start hearing that the bank may not be able to pay all its depositors. Then that turns into a bank run where everybody's panicked, everybody's trying to get their money out of the bank, and that's what happened with this. It, I think it only took 48 hours, too, because they were trying to raise, raise private capital, I believe, for uh, just to cover their, the expenses. So... Now they're, uh, they couldn't pay. They had to kind of shut down everything. They halted trading on their stock. And now the FDIC has to get involved. So the FDIC had to step in because this bank was having a bank run, which means everybody that had accounts with them was starting to cash their money out. When you do that, the bank needs to have those assets on hand, so they had to sell stocks. And they sold them at a loss. I think they lost about $2 billion so far. Wow. Just from having to sell to to appease all the, the debtors or the, the oh, depositors. Yeah. So now they failed. They don't have... They don't have nearly they don't, enough. They don't have the money to to clear all the, um, the checking accounts. So the FDIC stepped in. The FDIC apparently created a new bank so that Monday, anybody that has an account with them can access their funds and pay their bills because that's a huge thing. That's why the FDIC was created, because if the bank goes under, all other companies that have accounts with that bank, they don't go under as well because 
they yeah. have access to their funds. And their, their funds are going to would topple. Exactly. But the problem is, if you have more than a quarter of a million dollars in your account at the time, you're only insured up to a quarter of a million dollars. So if you have three, four, five, ten million dollars, yeah, that money's kind of gone. And really? that's what sucks. Yeah. That's not really what happened here. The money's not gone. They had a bank run and they just don't have the cash to cover everything. So what I'm assuming is that, you know, the money's still there, or at least most of the money is still there. So everybody should kind of be made whole with this. I just don't know how companies are gonna do these next couple of weeks because some of their accounts there were there's several millions of dollars and you know, you got to meet payroll, you got to meet everything. So it's really going to be an interesting week to see what happens and how fast they can unravel all this. And that's why this kind of becomes a big problem because in 2008. So what about companies who just had that much money? They're gone now? They don't have that money anymore? It's, I'm sure the government's going to step in and say, okay, well, we better. Yeah, exactly. Because that's what we did. That's what we did in 2008, right? Well, yeah, we bailed out everybody except Lehman Brothers. We let them fail. So what makes this, and does does anything anything here like on par with 2008, or do you think that not much is going to happen? It's just going to, it's just another event. I think this might be, because I've said since day one, I'm like, I don't understand what the markets are doing. Nothing's making sense right now. Oh. We have the largest credit card debt, the largest yes. national debt. Yeah. At, at some point, somebody's got up it's like bills are artificially propped up right now they are and that's when it just becomes a bubble and the bubble's gonna pop and it seems like every metric i am seeing right now makes 2007 look like nothing happened so yeah it's kind of scary to predict that but no i think this might be an unraveling effect because this kind of happened you saw a bank here or there in 2007 kind of have a liquidity crisis Okay. Just because they were loaning out mortgages to anybody. If you had a job at McDonald's and you wanted a half a million dollar house, they would sign you a mortgage. They'd say, no problem. Oh, you want another house and a half a million dollars? Yeah, here's more money. There were companies on every street corner that were just mortgage companies. They'd take people in and then they'd give them a mortgage. No problem. And then they'd bat they'd bundle up all those securities and then they'd sell them to investors saying, hey, this is perfect. These these uh, bonds are, these securities are A++. They're perfect. Everybody's guaranteed to pay back. You could have been homeless and probably gotten a mortgage in, around that time. Good. It was insane. Because so once everyone started to realize that they could get a loan on whatever they want and basically live the wealthy lifestyle, they created a ticking time bomb. Yeah. Because it all kind of caught on at the same time. There it, was this giant boom, and then it all fell apart because people couldn't pay anymore. It's like when you uh, when you buy a car or whatnot, when you get payments. It's like, oh, no payments for the first six months. That's kind of what it was like with mortgages. Oh, like, and then all of a sudden, but it it's really has to do with the interest rate. You don't have like a fixed rate mortgage, which you lock in 2% for the 30 years. It was variable. So it was 2% this year, but oh, next year was 3% and then 4%. And then the what you had to pay became exorbitantly more. People couldn't pay the extra amount, then it just all collapsed because nobody could pay. And then every security that was AAA rating was really triple F rating. Yeah. It was the worst of the worst. That's what like I saw in the movie 
um, in Mr. Ballou's class economics in high school. Uh, uh, they, they were they were showing how big short a bunch of yes a big short it's a bunch of shitty bonds that are rated as triple A, but they're really shit and they're just all stacked on top of each other. Yep, waiting to top topple over. Yep, it was almost as if everybody had a perfect credit rating for whatever they wanted. <laughs> I mean, I, I credit card they were handing out credit cards they were just handing out everything. And what I what I'm seeing today I don't. I'm seeing these things where they're like, oh, don't borrow money from the bank. Borrow money from yourself, like your equity. Oh, what does that mean? Is that like another way to just put yourself bankrupt in a couple months? It can be because what I think people are doing is taking out equity like in your house. Say you just buy this house. It's worth 100 grand. Sure, this house is 100 grand. You took out a mortgage and you've paid that mortgage for about 10 years. You have about 10 or 15 grand that you actually own of this house. You still have 85,000 on the mortgage. You could take out that 15 grand equity as a loan. So you just take out like, you know, the whole mortgage over again. With that part of your house as collateral. What they use, it's called kind of like a refinance. You take the 85 grand that you have or the mortgage left and you say, okay, no, I I want that extra 15,000 because I got the 15,000 equity in the house. And now you have a $100,000 mortgage again. I mean, that's what rich people do to avoid paying taxes. Yes, that's what I heard. Because taking out a loan on something is not a taxable event because you're borrowing money. You're not earning money, you're borrowing it. But you're getting taxed on the money that you, you spend. Oh, yeah, you always get taxed on the money you spend. Okay. Well, except food and clothes, I think. Yeah. Unless they figure out that one, in which case we're all screwed. Wow. So, so, so that's how you get a massive amount of cash on hand that you just pay off over time. So yeah. people... Normal people take a loan on their house. Rich people take a loan on their life. Oh, life insurance? No, like rich people have a loan out on their life's spendings. Normal oh. people have a loan out for their house. Oh, yeah. that That's that's a perfect way to put it. Because billionaires, you have stock, you have art, you have cars, anything like that. You can take a loan out on that. And that's how rich people avoid ever paying taxes. So they just take a loan out on that stuff for their life expenses. And then poor people take the loan out to afford life. I don't get how that's going to help you avoid paying more taxes, though, taking out a loan. It doesn't for normal people because normal people are stupid. But rich people would take a loan out because they know... A couple of years ago, you could take it out at practically nothing, maybe 1%. So you take out a loan and say you took a million dollar loan out on your life insurance policy and then invested that for one year. If you did in the stocks, it would be about 6% a year you'd make. So you'd make 5% and only be paying back a 1% interest rate because you made 6% on your money by borrowing it at 1%. Did that make sense? Because sometimes- Yeah, the... but there's also a massive risk there in losing the money. 100%. 100%, which is, I mean, you could even put it in a mutual fund, anything like that. But most people do it just for living expenses, most rich people, to do that taxable event. It was weird. Yeah, I always thought about doing that with crypto, but that's like, that's way too volatile. It really is, because uh, people who took loans out on NFTs- or taking a loan out in USD and staking USD. That's like the equivalent equivalent of like taking a loan out and putting it in 
something safe, you know? Safe isn't safe anymore. Nothing safe anymore. All right. So yeah, Silicon Valley Bank. Right now, I think they're trying to. Um, they're looking to sell. So what the FDIC did, they created that separate bank, put all the customers in there, so they're okay ish. And then if the bank sells, the bank gets all those customers back, and they have all that information. Pretty interesting. We'll see what happens. This could just be the tip of the iceberg for another financial collapse, which is due. That's in our, uh, I don't... So that's what we got about that. We're living in interesting times. Yes, we are. That's an ancient Chinese proverb. May you live in interesting times. They also say it's a curse. What I thought we'd do here is you came up with a great idea of 10 things to avoid when starting an online business. Yes. All right. So I have made countless mistakes trying to build my first website. And what did we find the other day? It has low value content. We, we tried to apply for ads, and I got a flag saying, I have low-value content from Google. I have no clue what that means. So if we go over these things here, and you're starting your own business, definitely will be useful and help you to avoid moments like that in the future. All right, so the first one I came up with is not having a plan of attack. So I definitely have, I had no plan of attack for my first website at all. I was just kind of trying to figure things out, and I guess it's kind of... um showing itself now because it's not getting enough traffic some of the pages aren't ranking and i don't really have a direction for the site so having a plan before you start is crucial and it would definitely help you out a lot i want to play devil's advocate on that because you didn't have a plan because the plan i said was to just just put content out that's what you do with site. You have a site, you just put content out. Now, if should you had a hierarchical keyword research plan, like, okay, well, I'm going to start with this and then go down to tricks and then all this other stuff, maybe, absolutely, actually. But yeah. again, this was your first site, and I just wanted you to see how things worked, how you yeah, exactly. stuff. And I mean, what, what you have like, going now. Don't you have 50 or 80 posts? Yeah, I think I have like, 80 posts so i mean that's something and i do see you're getting traction to your site every oh, yeah. day every day yeah. it's such a niche super niche topic so that could also be the problem yeah there's definitely not a lot of traffic in that space at all but i think you know i'm still proud of what you created i don't want that low value thing to be a, a hindrance i oh no it's it, not going to be i just have to run it all through chat gpt and then get it to rewrite all the content. I think what you just need is you have 700, 800 word articles. I think they just want more words. They want more. Yeah, because without without all the words, you can't have more ads. That's why they want more words so you can scroll. I don't know what their reason, because if you have just a, if somebody wants the answer to something, I don't want to have, like if you're doing um a cooking website, have you ever looked for a recipe? You have 12 pages of the person's story about the recipe and it's just annoying it's like just give me the recipe i don't want to read your life story but maybe that's what gets things to rank because uh, if you just put the recipe i'm sure there are pages ranking up yeah, hundreds with the short. perfect recipe because it's too short so that's what they might mean by low value because i read the articles and they're great and they explain exactly what okay you're trying to yeah 
point across. So. All right. So um, yes, have a plan. Another one is focusing too much on the little stuff. I definitely fall subject to this one a lot. I would always focus on going in search console and the figuring out which pages are indexing and indexing and which aren't and and what are the issues and I would dive like down a rabbit hole for each issue I found. And like you said earlier, it's just more about posting content, posting every day and consistently posting. Because Google's going to do what it wants. Yeah. Google's going to Google. It changes every day. Yeah. That's why I've even seen my site. I'll have index pages and the next day they're de-indexed. Yeah. There's no rhyme or reason. They just do it. Exactly. And I'm over here like looking at it and then not working because I'm looking at it. So don't focus on all of the small shit. Of course, get everything all set up right in the beginning. Try not to clog your site with too many plugging plugins or try and solve your issue by installing a bunch of plugins that's going to slow down your site. Don't focus on the little stuff and focus on the things that move the needle, like posting new content and providing value. Okay. Undervaluing what you're selling. I really don't have any personal experience with this, but I've heard that setting the right price for your product or service is important for, for profitability because like you said in a, I think one of our first episodes, you said that there was a lady in a grocery store and she was she had a spot on the shelf to sell her olive oil. And the guy who was selling olive oil next to her or whatever um, told her that she's pricing her products too low. And that's why people aren't buying them because they think her oil is cheap or somehow worse of a quality because the price is significantly lower than everyone else's. And then she raised the prices and the next day they went up. The sales went up or next month. I saw a guy, yeah, I'll say he's a YouTube marketer and he has different price points for different packages. You know, you want one video, it might be a couple hundred dollars. You want 30 videos in 30 days, it's 15,000 or something like that. There was another video marketer who just always sees what this guy's doing and he's just impressed at how much money he actually makes because I think the guy even says what his revenue was. He talks about his side hustle. And he saw this guy at a $15,000 package for his YouTube marketing services. And he had asked about it. Why am I not making $15,000 a month? And the guy looked him dead in the eye and he said, you don't have a $15,000 package. That was it. It's because he only had, you know, yeah. maybe 100, 300, $500 yeah. offer the 15,000 because yeah. people will pay it. Yeah. And I, I heard something the other day. If you don't have a product out for your brand and you're not pushing a product, people will not come to buy your product or listen to your brand. Like they're, they're just not going to. If you don't have something to offer, why are people, when you're when you're on the side of creating something and building something, you're like, you don't always want to do that and try and like squeeze profit out of things. You kind of want to just naturally build an audience. But I don't know why, for some reason, there's got to be something something with that. It, it, there's a psychological... Uh, I'd love to get on a psychologist and imagine if there's like a retail psychologist, somebody who just studies a person's spending patterns and why they buy certain things for the price points they do. I saw an app that is a, a food psychologist. There's this show... Or there's this ad, and it's this this guy eating at different restaurants all around the world, and he always, uh, the waiters always come up to him and try and take his plate, and there's a bit left, and he says, "Oh no," and he finishes it, and then he gives, and then he lets the plate go. After downloading the app, the app tells him that he always finishes his plate because he was forced to at childhood. So I guess I don't know they use some data collection thing to determine your habits and whatnot. I found that pretty scary. 
actually, but it's that's, like that's really freaky. Yeah, like, you take a quiz or something, yeah. or give it data, and then it makes decisions based on how you act. I don't know. Yeah, I want to say that's probably just every therapist's trick. And there might be truth to it. I don't know. I'm not a therapist, obviously. It just seems like you can always attribute to some sort of childhood trauma. Oh, you eat things because your parents force-fed you as a child, or you're doing this now because your parents beat you because you did something wrong as a child. It always comes back to childhood trauma. Yeah, that's what I noticed, too. I don't know what it was called, but I, I kept seeing ads for it on the TV, and there's so many like it, so... It was like a weight loss app or something like that. Oh, wow. Kind of cool, but... um, Okay, uh, we went off on a tangent there. What is the next... Um, Ignoring customer service. Huge. Don't ignore customer service. It is like the worst thing ever when you're buying a company's uh service, paying for their services, or buying uh, their products constantly, and then you have an issue, and you just need... You need it to be fixed that day and you just call in and you can't get anyone to answer the phone. That's after figuring out how to be able to call a real person in the first place. That's the thing. They've made it a maze to be able to figure out how to get into contact with a real person for like 80% of any online business or any business that has a website for that matter. Okay. It's yep. ridiculous. Just and it makes me want to just cancel and not use their product. Okay. I got the business. I got the business, but what is it? This is it. You're gonna have because yes, I'm with you with the customer service thing. They put you in that damn maze. Press one for English. Press three for representative. Press four for marketing. It's it drives me insane. And you're yelling at the damn machine, but it's I'm sorry, I didn't get that. Or it just yes keeps you in that damn loop. But AI, AI is there. Maybe it can hear me when I'm yelling at the damn thing, and it's like, oh, okay, you want this person. You want Bob from accounting, and then it transfers. Oh, yeah. Just imagine if oh. you could get it to actually do its job. And the other day, my dad was trying to get um, our cable boxes for Verizon switched out because we have <laughs> old ones. And oh my gosh, you can't even go in the store nope, anymore nope. and pick out the cable boxes. I can't believe you know about this. Yep, because we had no, to do it. They... It's ridiculous. What is going on with this world? There, there are employees in the store. There are cable boxes in the store. The employees say, oh, no, I can't give you any information on this cable box, sir. Sorry. Like, are you kidding me? It, it's like, because I'm Verizon Wireless, I'm not Verizon, you know, Verizon. Oh, it's goodness. just like, you're the same. And you're in the same? It is nuts. Oh, I can't. And then he was on, he was on uh, the website. Because it tells him to go to the website to find out, and then he gets a chatbot. And guess what? It's an AI chatbot. Yeah, but yeah, least, they just added that recently. At least the chatbot's a little bit better because it lists a whole bunch of options. You don't have to listen to the damn thing. Well, he couldn't figure that out either. So he he was on hold for like he, he hung up. Oh, no one answered. I can't. That's I uh, yes. The, well, that's probably because everyone is getting laid off today too. So that's the first thing they're going to cut down on is customer service and that's the funny thing you have to hire people full-time to sit there right but you know? It, you know you could instead fire all the people who are in upper level management who produce nothing i mean keep the people oh no the they service. be there yes see their money exactly everybody gets the bonus except the people at the bottom your customer service i can't tell you how many times i kind of told my boss at work because he doesn't really he's very curt on his comments on YouTube, it's like somebody's asked, oh, when's your next class? And he's just like, he just 
gives them a link to the website. It doesn't say anything like, oh, the next class is April 14th through the 17th. Here's the website, you know, to, to purchase the class if you want. It's just that little extra <laughs> that legit gets people to click. But he doesn't understand that. He's just, I, I said, all you have to do is just add a little bit more. Say, you know, oh, thanks, and here are the dates. Just give them the yeah. information, but he won't. And I say it's that little bit extra of customer service that takes five seconds yeah. that will produce a buyer. what teach them. And that is exactly how I have felt when buying certain things online. You just have them reach out to you, like even before you make a purchase. I have WhatsApp on our website. It's like click to chat now, and it automatically goes to my boss's phone through WhatsApp because we'll have people from all over the world purchasing our, our products and stuff. We should add that to ours. I don't want anyone to text me because sometimes it just gets annoying bullshit, and um, other times it's, yeah, it's like, like people who like want spammers. Products. Yes, exactly. Spammers. But, yeah, I mean, we don't have a product for people to want to get in touch with us and if you want to get in touch with us use our email mark at coffeemilk.co or mitch at coffeemilk.co yeah no customer service it's underrated you need good customer service okay uh next one giving away too much and getting nothing in return i mean that kind of just ties into not having a product if you don't have something people can buy you're not going to make money so instead of just giving away your free insights on seo and whatnot make an email list and then ask for their email, and then you have a lead. Email lists are huge. It can take a company that's worth nothing to worth 10x of, well, of nothing, but an email list is huge. You got a 50,000 email list for like, say you sell solar powered products or something. That email list is totally valuable to anybody in the solar product field. So email list is absolutely essential. And that was... Another one of the things on my list as well was an email list alone. So it's a great yeah. you have a sale coming on, email the people. Even if you get a ten percent click through rate or open rate, that's five thousand people that opened it. And maybe of that you'll have ten percent that click on it. So that's five hundred people. Ten of those, ten percent may buy the product. That's fifty people that bought your product. Oh yeah. From an email. And just having emails alone collect collecting them even even by word of mouth like i heard a story on uh tiktok or whatnot i mean may not be true or that easy to do this kid just goes up to all of the nicest cars that he sees in town or whatever or he goes to an area that's really uh high wealth he just takes pictures of all the cars and then asks the the owner of the car would you like me to email the pictures i just took of your car and make sure he has like good pictures and they're edited and everything and then he has the email of all the richest people in that area and you could probably apply that thinking across like many different uh niches or industries or something like that my mind is absolutely blown by that concept that is absolutely genius so that's how you grow your audience online gotta get on that just offer anything if you go on twitter you'll see people uh seven step blueprint for starting a youtube channel uh, click here and then it takes you to Gumroad and then they're like fill out this form and then they send you the free ebook or you go to their website and they send you the free yeah, we got to get those we got to get those bopping I mean that that shouldn't be that hard to do you can have chat GPT practically write one for you okay um all right another one on the list this is kind of controversial I'd say for us it's not really a, a big thing we're looking at but we, we I did mention it this week I thought it was pretty cool so skimping on early hires 
So hiring someone or outsourcing like a little bit of your work in the beginning can give you more time to focus on your audience and finding the right content for them rather than having having like to do the work of writing it all. And then it doesn't click with your audience or where you posted it to, then you're just going to be in the hole with all that work. You can hire um, very inexpensive VAs from the Philippines. I want to say it's about $7 an hour, 5 to $7 an hour. And they do some pretty excellent work. I just don't know if you have the capital then sure if you're doing a youtube channel yeah if you have other people editing videos and creating scripts and the voiceovers all that stuff yeah absolutely but i i, I like doing that little the little stuff in the beginning yeah i mean i like we talked Maybe about it's this better to buy a tool or a service to help you do all of the little stuff in bulk today there's a ton of those you know like i think when you get to the point where you're using tools to do a whole bunch of uh automation of your tasks that's when you hire the VA. It's when you have yourself established, you're like, okay, now this is what I do, and this is how I want it done. You just create this this thing, and that's when you hire the VA. You'd be like, look, here are all the tools I have for you. This is how I want you to do it and what I want you to do. And then you can avoid doing that, and then you can you know, push social media, maybe do an email list, have the VA write an email, uh, an email newsletter for you, things like that. But I still find maybe the first three to six months, and people may disagree with me, that's just really good. I think it's essential for you to focus on every little detail. Okay, underestimating the obsession and drive it takes to succeed. Yeah, posting every day is takes a lot of commitment and focus because I, I do not have the focus. I will go to make a post, and then I'll end up doing something else or reading about something else. I just don't understand why you can't. Make yourself for five minutes do a task. No, I can, but that's that. I don't know. And then in that task, I'll find more things to like, I'll, I'll make an article and I'll be like, no, it's it's not good enough. I need to do this. And then I set such a large goal. It's just like, ah, and I get all like messed up and I'm like, okay, I, 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 uh, I kind of like, I don't know. No, nope, you definitely. It's like build up such a big mountain that you can't climb up it. And I'm all about big mountains. I don't want to just. In the process of transitioning from thinking to acting. Acting. I think I have the <laughs> ability to act. I don't think. <laughs> That's half of my problem. Yeah, because. But I'm trying to get more information from acting. Yeah, but yeah, you do. You do. You, you learn a lot of things. You, you don't know what you don't know until you try. And that's the only way I learn. You can explain things to me till I'm blue in the face, but unless I do it, I just, I, I won't get it. Certain things I can't be explained. That's why when people were talking about SEO, I'm like, I just don't understand it. It, it makes complete sense, but I just don't understand why it seems like such a difficult task. And then I did it and I'm like, okay, well now I see. It's not really a difficult task. It's, it's more mundane task. Yes. And I guess that's what you'd probably hire a virtual assistant. AI. But I don't know how, how good virtual assistants are. Like AI virtual assistant. One specialized for writing or copyright work. I don't know. For writing emails, I don't know. I want one that's more versatile. I want kind of a general yeah, yeah, exactly. Like chat GPT. Yeah. But why can't we till uh, GPT-4 comes out? Is that this week or? I think it's next week. You're on. Hang on. I got to find that. They're saying it's going to be a multi-model. Multi-modela. They say it's going to include video and images or something like that. That could be a stretch, but oh man, imagine it just does everything. They're just like, oh, yep, we got it all. Like, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it's definitely a possibility. Definitely a possibility. That's why I say it's just any week now. 
anything could happen just because the progression we're already getting information at light speed what's next i mean what if we go 50 50 with an ai voice podcast generated or like with articles that we write and then the it kind of speaks it out for us and we do like 50 50 like we'll do one of those and then we'll do a regular one and we can kind of post double the episodes so the AI is the actual personality. It's not like taking stuff from other people. And... No, no, we'll make the articles. It'll be our our writing. Maybe, yeah, we'll probably write it with ChatGPT. But no, I didn't know if you meant like we were gonna, like we were gonna interview Joe Rogan and we'd ask a question, then have AI take out Joe Rogan's clip for something that would fit that and put that in, like you know, or just famous people that already have podcasts. Yeah, like I didn't know if that's what you meant or if that the AI was going to be the thing. No, no, we'll just like make an episode transcript and then have AI talk it, post it. But I don't know if people will like that. I really wanted to try that just in case there's one day that we couldn't do something. Maybe we could do a shorter one. Oh, like a 15, 20 minute thing? Yeah. Think people would like that? The Blogging Millionaire podcast is nuts, dude. It's too short. I I don't, it it has so many views. Oh, yeah. That's why. Oh, yeah. Uh, see, I think that because guy... Because it's short. Yeah, but that guy's also been around for a long he has, time. Yes. He's got a hell of a community. He's got a hell of a newsletter. But do you see how that all comes together? Yeah. In the newsletter, I'm starting to read them more often. Or I'll, like, get the heading on my notification, and I'll click it, like, the brink or whatnot. They're, they're nice. I, yeah. I like reading them. They definitely keep you up to date. I like got to get one, Melon. Just call it Coffee Milk. There you go. Makes sense. Or coffee milk talks. I don't know. We'll find something. But yeah, we got to kind of come up with, I'm sure you could probably go into Canva or something like that and get a newsletter template because I just like how, how they're set up and I just don't know how to do that. Yeah. yeah. I haven't checked. I see what you're saying. Not taking enough risks and playing it safe. That one is 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 one that definitely holds me back. Because instead of taking risks, like just posting content that might fail and having another article out there, I spend time figuring out what would be the best thing to post. Taking more risk, definitely move you forward rather than go back. That's the thing about it. We had an email. um, Don't know if you read it, but this guy was actually, he wants to start a podcast. And for three months, he's been editing his episodes. He still hasn't released them yet. Because he's still editing the same episodes because he said the audio quality is not there. And he doesn't know what he should do. Should he just scrub the whole project? And I just emailed him back. I said, just release them. You're going to get better as you go along. I mean, I know a couple of our episodes sound horrible. And I realize it's because we were having them at the tape, table or... Or Didn't you run it through that AI thing and it cleaned it up? I put it through, what is it, Podcastle? And that's a, a pretty great tool because we had background noise and I, it was just like a scratching noise and it drove me nuts because I have a two and a half hour podcast to edit and I was afraid that I wasn't going to get that out. But yeah. I put it through and it just kind of removed the background noise a little bit. When we talked, you could hear it ever so faintly, but when there was kind of dead air, you didn't hear that. So that was kind of nice. I don't know why I brought that up. I'm doing that a lot. It's okay. I mean, it's- no, no. It's funny. It's the beginning of break, you know. I, I had a lot of tests this week. I thought I did really bad, but I actually turned out doing okay. Did I Did I say that I failed both my 
test last episode? Nope. I think I did. No, yeah, because it was Charlie. Yeah, but... Oh, no. I don't know. Well, last week I thought I failed both of my tests. I got a 60, 68 on one, so I passed one of them. And then the other one, I got an 83, which I thought I did worse on that one. But because everyone else in the class did terrible and no one else was doing their homework and she saw that I was actually doing it, um, I, I guess she scaled my greed a little bit more. That's awesome. Yeah. So but, when you said last week you failed two yeah, tests, yeah. you didn't actually fail. You didn't even know. I consider the, the sixty-eight in in the math test failing because like that is stuff I know, and I just completely like blinked out on the I agree. test. But like if you put a problem in front of me right now, I wouldn't mind doing it. Okay, it's it's it's, an, it's annoying because I think I you actually got the grades last week. Now you oh, okay. Yeah. No. Well. Yeah. I got the bummed. I got the grade last week oh. for the first test. Oh, and then the second test took longer to get the grade because it wasn't, it was a paper test. She had to grade all of them. Yeah. And she was saying how, like, she, she doesn't know what's going on with the class. I've listened to her uh, preach four different times about the kids not doing the homework. She opened up the, the lessons to go and do the math of the due date twice. And I've completed them every time. And I'm over here still doing bad in the class. So, so something's not aligning here. This is just what I don't like about about school. It's like, I that's I feel nice. like teaching today just doesn't work. Just there's a di- there's definitely a disconnect. There somewhere. is, and I'm seeing um, schools just because I even put in the effort and still like struggle. I mean, I guess I could have studied more, but like, right. But that's I mean, even putting in effort, you should see some like, results. You need to just like have a class where it's you go to class every day, and it's like you're as if you're. You're you're just thrown into a job, in whatever that class is teaching, and you're doing that aspect of the job, like just do, just work, just make every student work every hour there in class, and get them to understand the material. Like, it just doesn't make sense having students take a quiz, where you just pack all these questions onto it. You're supposed to memorize the knowledge. No, it just doesn't work. Just it doesn't work. Best way to memorize is to do it. And if you're doing something in real life. Say you need to build a ramp or something, and I mean, yeah, you probably learn a hundred ways not to do it. Like, say you need to like calculate something in real life, you're not going to do that by hand on paper. Like, we're not um, f- uh, philosophers years ago that were right right on paper. Like, we have these tools at our disposal. Why are we not being taught to embrace them to increase our ability to understand things? Or just we're focusing on memorizing the content rather than getting a general understanding of how it works and knowing where to go when you need to use it. It's ridiculous. That's why the teachers or the schools should allow these AI tools, show kids how to use them. You'll probably get more reaction from students by showing them what's out there instead of going with the outdated lessons or the way of learning because with this TikTok generation, these people got 15 second attention spans and you're teaching an hour and a half, two hour long class on something. You have to get them engaged. You have to, but I agree. I think you should throw them into the fire. Be like, okay, well this semester, you guys have a job. This is your job and this is how you're going to do your job and and that's it. Yeah, that's what Randy Pausch did, right? At Carnegie Mellon, she didn't class, broke the curriculum. That's amazing. That's what needs to happen more. Great way to do it. He had students creating like, he was like, screw it. It's like, we're going to turn this around and make it so interesting that 
other people outside the class are going to notice. And that is what is going to get us out of, of like the traditional teaching method. He's like, screw it. We're taking such a different path that it's not just going to be like, oh, that's cool. That's amazing. And like inspiring as well. The best thing. And that's a beautiful thing about the way he taught. The best thing about that was, yeah, he was teaching virtual reality. Nobody really knew what they were doing. So we gave an assignment to the class in one week, you know, create a virtual world and everything. And then when they showed him the virtual worlds after a week, he was so blown away by it that he didn't know what to do. So what he told him was, he's like, okay, that's good work, guys, but I think you can do better. And he was already blown away. You know, yeah, inside he was like, holy, what did I just have these kids do? I didn't think this was possible. Exactly. (laughs) Do better. You don't know until you push somebody to the absolute limit. Yeah. That's a, yeah, throw them into the fire. I agree. Was that one of the points? No, that was just a good little thing. But I talked about Randy Randy Pouch last time, too. It's just my rant about school. Hang on, I got a big. Some some will call me lazy. Some people call me a space cowboy. Okay, no, that's from a song. Oh, I don't know what space cowboy is. So. Call me the space cowboy. Nope, don't know it. Don't know it. Oh, okay. So I love all that information. And there's a couple more things I would add. Here's how I personally go about, like I have an idea if I want to do something. Say it's a newsletter. Now you say, don't give away too much free information and get nothing in return. Now with the newsletter, it's all information. Whatever niche you choose to write your newsletter about, say it's crypto. You talk about the top coins, the top news stories, anything like that. And you can get that from Google Trends. Write about XRP and the latest SEC filing or anything like that. Now, also, with that free information that you're providing to your subscribers of your newsletter, you also have affiliate links. I feel affiliate links are just so undervalued right now. Not many people... That's how you push affiliate. Exactly. In email. You And a newsletter, it's free to start. You can go on Substack and start a free newsletter. You somehow... A list of tools at the bottom. Yep, exactly. And throughout the the article, because that is a new thing that's coming out. It's news. And it doesn't even have to be your news. It could just be a, a little blurb about what you think about that news and then a link to the article in the newsletter, but also have different products. I mean, there's a lot of people who've made so much money just from crypto affiliates. And you could do that for anything. If you do tools or reviews on tools, I mean, A, you're probably going to get great affiliate revenue through tool dealerships. Amazon affiliates, sure, it kind of sucks, but you can also, there's different affiliate programs for welders. Uh, if you do Everlast welders, they'll give you 10% and 10% on their 1500 yeah. $150 per sale. And all you need is a 10 of them a week and you make $1,500 a week and... It does sound impossible, but I, I, we've done it through just our Amazon affiliate program. I want to say we get maybe 3%, which kind of sucks. Yeah, they say but, Amazon affiliate is worse than going to a direct supplier of what you're buying. Absolutely, but for a way to just start out, because I feel like if you're going to go to a supplier, you need to show them that you have a community, and that's why suppliers reach out to different YouTube channels when they reach a certain status. It's like, hey, would you review our video? We'll give you a free product, and we'll pay you. And all of these businesses are free. A YouTube channel is free. A newsletter is free. All it takes is a little bit of your time. 
but you can earn so much more from it. If I were to do a newsletter right now, I would probably do one solely on software because software affiliate revenue is huge and it's recurring. If you got the Adobe, the Adobe Creative Cloud, like oh I have, goodness. I don't know if they have an affiliate, but I have an affiliate link on my website and someone goes to that link, clicks on it, and then buys said product, subscribes to their Yes, they service for yep. $15 a month. Yeah. I will make a percent every time they pay, not just a one-time thing? Correct. Oh, it's, wow. Exactly. That's, That's why awesome. monthly, yes. So you become part of their company instantly. Pretty much. You just become their best salesperson, and you get a reward for being the best salesperson. And you don't even have to really work for them. How nice. You just got to believe in the product and push. You don't even actually have to believe in it. You just push a product. And the one with the uh, highest cost to make the most money. I see your wheels turn. It's like, oh, you, it's, did, you didn't realize that, huh? a review. Okay. Well, I did. But can we what? do a review on Content Gorilla? Yeah. Let's put this in. We should do. We should reach out to him and be like, hey, we'd love, we have a, we're trying to build an audience. You don't even need to because the affiliate link, link's right there. You just talk Google about, con- yes, you just talk about Content Gorilla. Any AI tool. You talk about the AI tool. Link below in the description. Click the link. So, yeah, monthly subscription. It's a beautiful thing, and it's a great way to earn a lot of money. Yeah, I so, would love to sell a course one day. We got to sell oh, I wasn't thinking of the course. I was thinking course. of just being an affiliate marketer to somebody with software that has the monthly subscription. I wasn't A course is usually a one-time thing. You get a good amount on it, maybe 30%. So yeah. this is a $1,000 course. Why would people care? Okay, like explain. audience, like as far as my first million goes, like... What if they were just constantly writing blogs and sending them to the audience about specific tools? They did. They were the newsletters, and then they sold them. Okay. So, yeah, that's exactly what they did. I see you thinking. We got to focus on the newsletter. Yeah, that's... It's funny that I'm bringing up the newsletter because you had told me two weeks ago, we need a newsletter, and we have a newsletter sign-up form on our website already, we just actually need to create the newsletter. Does anyone has anyone signed up yet? Yeah, we've had a couple of people. Oh, really? Like yeah. 10? Uh, pro- not 10. Stop tapping. Five. Oh, I'm checking right now. All right, nice. So, yes, with our newsletter that we will have, just find different... Um, I mean, we talk about AI tools left, right, and center. You would have to find something with an affiliate link. Sign up for the affiliate and put a check out newsletter. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I, I have to add to that list is customer feedback. You got to listen to it, and a newsletter would pretty much tell you everything without even getting their feedback. You'd see the, if you sent out a newsletter and just the headline was wrong, and you saw that oh, maybe 10% of the people actually opened that newsletter. Well, you realized something was wrong with your headline, or there was something in it that didn't appeal to people to actually click. So it's important because if you keep doing that same thing over and over again, it's the very definition of insanity. So just kind of use different analytics and different metrics to gauge the interest of your audience. Um, Yeah, that's kind of how Google does their ranking over the long term. Like if you have a lot of visitors um, searching up a specific term in Google and then they scroll down, they see your URL for your blog and they click on it and then they immediately bounce back, you're going to get deranked. But if they if they bounce 
back from your link, go to a different website, find that that website's even worse, and then go back to yours, then you get pushed up. It's pretty cool how they do it. That's probably how it used to work, but I feel in this last year with every update, oh, every month, everything. So it just not work like that. It doesn't make sense. I heard that from, I think, Authority Hacker. Oh, so yes, with Breath of Newport, you see that 3D printed tag I got? Yeah. I'm going to attach that to the jar with ribbon. It says, it's just a, my buddy Brian, who owns the Hobby by Brian, printed up this thing. It's a nice little plaque. It says Breath of Newport. And then it's got the coordinates of the three different mansions or whichever jar of air somebody buys. I thought it was kind of cool, just a nice little detail. I wanted to do stickers, but I figured that would work too. And I can have my buddy just print them up at work. Oh, yeah. It's so, going to look great. Uh, with that, I'm just going to do an Etsy thing today, but the website's live. We are open for business. Kind of excited for that. Etsy? No, on the website. For Shop Newport? Yeah. Wait, I can buy it? Yeah. You did it? Yeah. Oh, you did it the other night? Yeah, I did it last night. Oh. I just didn't do Etsy and I want to do Etsy, but that you- So I asked you earlier, I asked you earlier and you said, you said, no, I'm going to work on it. Oh. You, oh, you finished Breath of Newport? Yeah, I was thinking um, I was thinking Etsy. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Half the time you ask me things and I'm just... Nuts. Now you're moving on to Etsy. Yeah. I want Etsy because I think Etsy, if you have a product, Etsy's not great. It's not great by any stretch of the imagination. But if you don't have traffic, it's a great... It, the traffic's already there. It's a big marketplace. It's... Okay. I think it's just a good idea. Plus, I also saw the other... Things of air, and I don't, I didn't see one for Newport, Rhode Island. Tube. Oh, an article or jars of air? Jars of air, sorry. In general, other right. people. Oh. Right. Oh. Yeah, I saw this one, and she actually had cans of it, and I thought, I like the cans. Yeah. You kind of peel it back, and it was kind of nice. Yeah. But I prefer jars. Oh, no, I want to approve it. Jar. And then you can reuse the jar. Darn skipping. Or mail it back. I don't know. Maybe we should do something like that. It's like a recycling program. You got that going. I'm ready to push. Some ads. Okay. We're not doing ads because ads are not the thing. You know how you were talking about I'm how- I'm going to get my video on TikTok. One thing, one thing doesn't work across everything. Ads will not work for a jar of air. Yeah, no one's going to get a- No one's going to get a jar of air from an ad. Nobody is searching. Like, that is a viral thing. So that specifically is an Instagram, TikTok weird thing. Yeah. So what about the people who are searching for jars of air because they want to make a video about people who are selling jars of air and they buy our jar of air to show that people are selling jars of air and they don't actually want the jar of air. Well, let's see. Let's let's go to Google Trends and let's see what the <laughs> trends are for jars of air. See how many people are searching. Okay. The last month it might have just been us. I see a couple of little bumps. But yeah, hmm, your search doesn't have enough data to show here. I don't think it's a very big search term, but that's why that's one of those things on TikTok that you scroll and you're like, wait, what the hell is this? And you just make a stupid commercial on TikTok, kind of like a Mentos commercial. Yeah. Do, 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 uh, and then it's just you running down the beach with the jar. <laughs> oh. And that goes by, and, I'll lose my mind. And then at the end, it's just you shoving the jar of air right into the camera, and it's like, Breath of Newport, the fresh maker. That's what I see. And people are just like, that is so stupid. I have to click on this website. Oh, my God. 
Yes, they are. And this is what they're selling them for. Oh my God, they've sold 10,000 and they're millionaires. That's going to be our story. Then we're going to go on Shark Tank. No. And then we're going to pitch it. No, we can't we're gonna pitch get... a jar of anything. Nope, we're going to get it. We're going to get Barbara and she's going to sign on. No. We're going to get the QVC lady. Come on, man. You got to think big. Shark Tank. No. <laughs> you know, I'm kidding, but I don't know. That's what I do. I take an idea and I go crazy with it. It's exciting times. So now with the newsletter, say you didn't want to do Substack and you want to do your own website. I feel like it's important to really have full control over everything. So I would get a website. Now what I do to come up with my name is I go to expireddomains.net great website and it shows you every expired domain each day and you can go back years and stuff and i found some great domains five letter domains and they actually you can pronounce them it's not like t t t t t and you can buy them for 9.99 the guy never buy through expired domains i feel bad saying that because he charges 199 dollars for that domain when you can just go through any of the like GoDaddy and add to cart and you realize he doesn't own it he just actually owns he doesn't own anything he's just selling it and then he'll buy it and then transfer it to you so that's actually kind of an interesting way to make money but no so i'll get the name from expired domains make sure it's expired go to GoDaddy, purchase the domain and then host that how do you get the domain cheaper than GoDaddy or Bluehost. You don't get it cheaper than GoDaddy or Bluehost. That's what you use to buy it. You get it cheaper than a guy. Is there a way? I mean, if you can't folk, if you're trying to go cheaper than $9.99 and you search an hour of your time for that, yeah, you're an idiot. You just wasted an hour of your life to save $10. No, to sell them, like buy them in bulk. Oh, I don't, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, you can totally buy a bulk. You just keep adding to cart. I see what you're saying, but yeah, no, I'm I'm not about a $4 product. No. I'm about a $100 product, minimum. Oh, yeah, of air? Damn straight. But you could do that. I've seen bottles of water go for eight to $10,000. Huh. It's just because the water apparently is amazing. Saw a whole episode on some Netflix show about oh, water. Oh, yeah, most expensivest, the two chains. I... They, it might have been something like that. And it's just weird that people would spend that amount of money on water. Yep. But I guess that's why if whatever product you have, try and make a crazy glamorous version of it, put an insane price on it, and see what happens. You never know. Oh, we could also sell the world's most expensive jar of air. Holy shit, that you just come up with that? You're a genius. Yep. Because if we don't have it, no one's going to buy it. <laughs> Because if we don't have it, no one's going to buy it. And no one else has the world's... Well, someone else does right now, but they're not claiming that it's the world's most expensive jar of air. That's actually a great idea. It's really dumb, but we just need one person to be like, ha. That's, no, I like that. We're going to do that. We're going to do that. We're going to have the world's most expensive jar of air. Last three things on if you're starting an online business. I can't tell you how good it is to actually attend events. I tell my boss this all the time, who works seven days a week, 14-hour days, 365. We build cars. If he would leave for a day and go to, I don't know, a car show, it would be a great way to promote himself. But he doesn't do that. He gets a lot of his stuff through word of mouth because he is who he is and he's been doing it as long as he does. But if you're a guy just starting out, yes, attend events. You have no idea the power of networking can do for your business. Then 
collaborate, find people in the same business or similar businesses and try and create something together. If Ray were doing building cars, I would get an engine guy and then I would also get a painter and I don't know, do a, a video of them and then promote their stuff as well. It only helps because you're also reaching their audiences and they're reaching yeah. your audience. It's uh, a great way to create a partnership. And I think that's important. It's not about your net worth. It's about your network. And on that note, that's Coffee Milk. I'm Mark Laporte. I'm Mitch DiPaolo. See you next week.